Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows and recap other shows to answer your question, should I watch this? My name is BJ. And my name is Me Too. (laughs) You sound so sick. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize in advance for the state of my voice. And this week, we're checking out the new legal drama on ABC, The Fix. So stay tuned to the end while BJ tells us his best revenge fantasy. I don't need revenge. Honestly, also after 21 years, shouldn't you have sought counseling by this point? Yeah, she has an obsessive personality. How about you give some backstory to our listeners so they know what this 21-year gap is all about? Well, the 21-year gap is in reference to Marsha Clark failing to convict O.J. Simpson. But for this show, which she is executive producer and she co-wrote this pilot, in The Fix, Maya Travis, much like Marsha Clark, fails to convict Sevi Johnson, a superstar actor who is British, of murdering his ex-wife. And now years later, he is back in her life because his girlfriend turns up dead and Maya Travis's old attorney partner shows up at her door and says, he's done it again, come with me. Because basically, in the near decade since the trial, Maya went into hiding because she felt shame for failing to convict. She said that every time she closes her eyes, or often at least when she closes her eyes, she thinks of the pain the family of the victim experienced when they saw Sevy Johnson fail to be found guilty. That's definitely a strong setup for a show, which you think would make it easy to have a good drama series. It almost seems as though it's clear to the showrunners, to the writers, maybe to Marsha Clark herself, that the crux of the show is perhaps not so sustainable for an entire season, and certainly not not for a series. And so instead of addressing the core issue and maybe making a better product versus this revenge fantasy that she maybe has been ruminating on for the past 21 years, we don't know. They just threw a bunch of red herrings and double agents on attorney teams and spies and secret characters and introduced so many different subplots in this pilot episode that I experienced whiplash trying to keep track of all of them. I think they're trying to set this up with some planning ahead in a way that How to Get Away with Murder didn't, but still left open these opportunities with like double agents. So for example, in How to Get Away with Murder, we had everyone was actually connected to each other. We all knew Wes since he was a baby. And then, oh, his real father has this connection. And then now maybe Wes is the father of a new baby. Everyone has the these links. And so I think with The Fix, they're trying to set up hints at past relationships between attorneys, double agents, so you don't know who's on whose side. The idea that maybe someone is lying about something, someone's hiding something, someone's covering for someone and might not even know they're covering. So that after this first season, there will still be threads to continue picking at. I see. Because I think it's pretty clear what they have to resolve in this first season. And that can still be interesting, but it could be all about setting up future plot lines. Got it. So we're invested and we care beyond this core issue of who killed Sevi's girlfriend. And instead, we also care about the relationships between the other characters. Exactly. That's how I feel from watching this pilot. Do you think they pulled it off? Did you find yourself caring about all of these different subplots and characters? I don't want to say I care, but I do think they established that they are offering a lot more than the basic premise 
of did Sevi commit this murder? I Care is such a good Beyonce song. I don't know why that's where my head went, but I see what you're saying. For me, what the show felt like, tell me if you experience this. All the time. Good. I Oh, I love when you're open. You're taking a long shower. Your mind starts to drift and you start thinking of times that people insulted you or they were rude and you're like, oh, what I would have said was. Yeah. And you just start having these fantasy scenarios in the shower and 25 minutes later, you've read everyone down and you're clean. Perfect comebacks. Yeah, perfect comebacks. You're prepared. You're almost prepared in case someone does try to say something. I'm like, oh, I know exactly what I would say. And it feels like Marsha Clark has been doing this maybe for <laughs> 21 whole years. And the reason we have those thoughts in the shower is because that's not how we for real interact with people. And yet it felt like she took those very solo thoughts and then wrote them into a script for network television. Interesting. I can definitely see this as being a cathartic, maybe way of venting her frustrations. Maybe not venting, but letting out all these thoughts and feelings she's had and disguising it as this TV show. She may as well have named the character Karsha Mlark or something. (laughs) It's like she's just sitting at home thinking, oh, if he just killed one more person, oh, I would have had him. So that makes me come up with a question for you and how you perceive this show. Since Maya is clearly based off of and inspired by Marsha, do you think that means it's pretty obvious how this plot's going to end in regards to convicting Sevi? I don't know. Because with OJ, this is where obviously the plot differs from real life. OJ was acquitted the first time, but it felt like when he was caught stealing his own merchandise, the judge gave him such a harsh sentence that it felt like almost retribution for not having been convicted earlier. Mm-hmm. In that loose sense, OJ was convicted the second time he stood major trial. However, with Sevi, since it's murder and not going into Vegas and trying to steal your own artifacts, I don't know. I also think that they do an okay job on the show trying to cast doubt on whether he did it, but the writer's hand is so heavy. It's like how J.K. Rowling, I mean, I know we don't really want to talk about her this week because she's been doing the most, but it's like how the brave, awesome ones are in Gryffindor, the evil ones are Slytherin, (laughs) the nerds are in Ravenclaw, and Hufflepuffs are loyal or whatever. That kind of uneven distribution where Gryffindor won the House Cup every year is what this feels like, but way more consequential. Yeah, we're arbitrarily limiting how diverse each character can be for the sake of, and and it's very odd to say this, for the sake of simplifying the plot and characters' actions, even though there's so many plot lines, it's still pretty convoluted. Yes, and I actually thought the case of O.J. Simpson, the Ryan Murphy show, was so good that it's why to think that these two shows exist in the same universe. And I understand The Fix isn't a miniseries based on a specific trial, but the parallels are so clear that it's surprising how much these differ in quality. Do you think audiences care more about revisiting that OJ story or seeing a reinterpretation that can take more liberties with where they go with the plot? I bet at least this pilot episode must have been super popular because it's gross curiosity that draws you to it. Mm -hmm. What does Marsha Clark have left to say after being vindicated a bit in the spotlight? Because a lot of what affected her during her trial was misogyny. Mm -hmm. There were other racial elements in the trial that this show handles really sloppily. But misogyny and sexism are big reasons why Marsha Clark wasn't taken seriously 
and wasn't heard in the 90s for failing to convict OJ. Mm -hmm. So I was curious to see what a modern take on getting a second chance looks like for me. And I assume most viewers have their reasons. I know that you and I were very young during the OJ trial. I have no recollection of it, but I do know from reading that it rocked this country. So I assume there's also a lot of people who do watch network TV. That's a slightly older audience, especially when you get to 10 p.m. And I bet they want to see what Marsha Clark still has left to say. Yeah, I think she could offer something interesting for the people who still remember the pop culture moment that was the OJ Simpson trial. Yeah, I'm curious about if we get a white Ford Bronco moment because... I think during the actual trial, OJ got rid of a mysterious duffel bag and Sevy does something like that in this pilot episode. So I wonder if we'll get more ripped from the headlines moments. BJ, it's time to pay the bills because what does Cardi love only second to culture? Offset? No, you silly goose. Money. For our listeners, this episode is brought to you by Audible. What are you listening to this week? Well, listeners, I was actually trying to see what else has Marsha Clark been working on over this past 20 years. And so she has three pretty cool books that you can check out on Audible, without a doubt, where she narrates it, Guilt by Degrees, and Blood Defense. Dope. You can find those books or pretty much any others at audibletrial.com slash thepilotpod. You'll get a free 30-day trial membership, be able to browse their Cuckoo Bananas selection of audio programs, and pick a title to download free and start listening. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash thepilotpod. Happy listening. And now back to our show. Going off of things that they seem to be taking from that original trial, how did you feel about the changes they have implemented in terms of race relations, dynamics between characters. I don't think that they've addressed sexism yet. I'm not sure if you picked up on that. Not really. But I also think that the trial was at a different time than the mid 90s. So unclear if maybe they're saying in more modern times, not as much of an issue. The racism I thought was handled super poorly because the first few people that Maya sees when she comes out of the elevator to go to the trial the first time she fails to convict Sevy Johnson are black men holding signs calling her the B word and she eventually sees white dudes and women of different backgrounds also calling her the B word but I think it's bringing up that same dichotomy as existed in the 90s where it's like you were pro-OJ because you were anti-racism or you were just anti-OJ because you thought these things were overblown these racial aspects and I don't understand why this show can't address the fact that both can be true at the same time as a black woman I am not a big fan of OJ Simpson or Robin Givens is in the show, her ex-husband, Mike Tyson, because those people abused women. But both of these things can be true. I can walk and chew gum at the same time. I can recognize that in the O.J. Simpson trial, race played a huge factor, how they darkened his skin, how they talked about him. It's clear what they were going for. Mm -hmm. But I also know that that man was abusive to his ex-wife and likely... I'm not trying to get a suit on this podcast. <laughs> allegedly. Yes, allegedly. <laughs> it felt like he probably, maybe, in some universe... Uh, we don't know, but... Killed his ex-wife. Possibly. Maybe. Because neither you nor I are lawyers, so I'm not sure what the language is there. Actually, there was a really beautiful article that I'll include in our show notes by a Black woman who worked to organize other Black women during Clarence Thomas's confirmation hearings. Yeah, I feel like ABC... Marsha Clark 
everyone in the cast and in production really do need to be careful in how they play the lines, the script, and perception, because you could easily twist how we see sexism, how we see racism. Even unintentionally, I think particularly Marsha Clark could skew things in a negative light for the Black cast members Mm -hmm. without even having actors say a particular line that might come across as racism. It could just be the situations you put them in. Maybe the Black characters are always the ones who seem to be put in a negative light, which says something when you're in charge of casting who the Black actors play. So you have some control on who the quote unquote bad characters are in this particular drama. So I'm hopeful that knowing ABC is a very family friendly network, they will play that well and make sure that any unforeseen biases won't come across just because of Sevi's skin tone and the connection to the OJ trial. I mean, on the show, at the very least, Maya's assistant friend and investigation partner in searching without warrants is a black woman, CJ Bernstein. Mm -hmm. But on that same note, it felt like the big moment in Sevi's defense attorney's press conference was him saying that the reason they suspected Sevi is because he's a black man and the man that actually found his girlfriend is a white man, but they refuse to question or think that the white man is the one who did it because they had their sights set on Sevi. It's like Staircase, where if your wife died under suspicious circumstances or was murdered a couple decades ago and your new wife is murdered in a similar way, I get why the police are looking thrice at you. Yeah. But it was annoying that they chose this climactic camera zoom in moment for him to say it's because of his race because it felt like Marsha Clark rolling her eyes and being like, ugh, they're using the race card to get away with murder or maybe reliving the feeling of having people position her as the person who's on the other side of justice. There is potential for that to come across. But it's 2019. It is. It's been decades. I just hope that they get a copy of some books soon before they start writing the next batch of scripts. Maybe someone can express ship them a copy of the new Jim Crow and other books on black criminalization so that they can be a little bit smarter in their positioning for future episodes because that really turned me off. I agree. Another thing they might want to do some research into is cinematography. Ooh, talk about it. The camera work. So we had the same issue of the enemy within. So I hope this is not a theme of 2019. But listeners, there were times where the camera was not only at strange angles, it also felt like we were just too close to the actors and it felt like they didn't have optical image stabilization, which is just a fancy term for if your hand is shaking, the picture is not going to shake too. And it's on most smartphones nowadays, and it should be on the cameras that they're using to film these high production television series. There was one scene where Maya and CJ confront Sevi's daughter, who actually introduced Sevi to his girlfriend because she was a friend of his daughter's. So it helps paint him as a dirtbag, which he is. But in the scene, the camera was so close to their faces, but also off tilted that I 
literally felt compelled to physically tilt my head to correct it. And I asked you if it was off because I thought my TV is uneven. <laughs> maybe my ground is uneven. My couch is a little off center from my TV. I was like, maybe that's affecting it, even though I've never felt that my couch has affected my TV viewing. And yet I assumed it was everything else, Mercury and Gatorade, anything but this camera not being steady because it looked like it was filmed on a handy camera. Yeah. And what was awkward in particular about that scene, they kept cutting back and forth between everyone's faces really rapidly. So it's just like a brief look at a weird angle. Now another weird look at another angle. Now we cut back. Now we zoom in. Now we're like shaking around up oh, and we cut again. And so you get a little not only disoriented, but confused about what you're really watching. And it's supposed to be a pivotal scene where you see the cracks in the relationship between Sevi and his kids because there's a similar issue between OJ and his kids. Yeah, that was supposed to be a serious moment. That was supposed to be a big moment. And instead, I was freaking out about my television or my ground or the earth in general. I'm hopeful that the production company will step up their standards. I'm confident they will because someone's going to see this and be like, why do we let this cameraman, maybe even the director is to blame. You know what? Let's be fair. A lot of people okayed that cinematography. I'm going to blame Marsha Clark because I am so <laughs> frustrated with her because I just expected much better. That's fair. It's good to have high standards. Thank you. So now that you've hinted at your expectations, let's go into our final rating. BJ, what would you rate The Fix? I would rate The Fix. Would watch again casually. Really? Yeah. So I've never been one who's that interested in the OJ Simpson trial. Like you mentioned before, we were too young to be in on it while it was happening. And so it's just something I've always been aware of on my periphery of pop culture. So I like the idea that there's this indirect take on that story. And while there were definitely some flaws in this first episode, I think casually coming into it could be interesting because I do see where this can really go in its own direction. Like I was mentioning for setting up plot lines for maybe a second season. So I do want to see if they will steer it in a new direction away from the more OJ related things. And if they do, that would probably keep me hooked. Okay, my rating will be similar to the one that you had for Shrill, where... I think I'm going to sit this season out uh-huh. because I was just disappointed by the pilot. I couldn't in good faith recommend this. But if you let me know that in the second season, because I do really like the cast. Mm-hmm. In the second season, they step it up. It's maybe a different case. We drop some of this cultural stuff that they're trying to do that's not great. And they make a great law procedural, like How to Get Away with Murder, but not, that has the characters intertwined, but not in a way that is so confusing. Then I'm down to do season two. So maybe my rating is would watch season two pending update from BJ. Ooh. Okay, you'll be waiting a while, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) My rating coming to you pending renewal in March 2020. Oof, we're going to be so close to election season then. I may need just any show to watch. Oh, 2020 will be an interesting TV year to see if there's any... I mean, there will always be political-based dramas, but they'll tie that into the new shows for that year. Or if we'll get good escapist TV like we have been getting with recent seasons of Broad City, Jane the virgin crazy ex-girlfriend where shows are bright and offsetting what's happening in the world who knows or more superstore which is telling us about what's happening in the world but in a fun way listeners that's what i would recommend just go watch superstore okay beach (laughs) where can people get other episode reviews 
head to our website at thepilotpodcast.com and be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. And please leave us a five-star rating and review. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can like us on Facebook at The Pilot Podcast. And you can send thoughts, feedback, shows you recommend we watch. Ooh, your best comebacks to arguments that you've thought of while you were in the shower to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.